Hi, everyone. This is Christina. And this is MJ. And this is another episode of A Spooky Tales, the podcast all about spooky, spooky things. And today uh, is going to be a mess of an episode. I will forewarn everyone. Is that a word? Forewarn. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not. Yes, you're right. But my children are in the room with me while I'm trying to record this episode. So yeah, you you have been warned. <laughs> Sammy. Aww, you gotta leave that one in. You're right, I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> today we are sharing legends from Cuba, which does not have a lot of legends, I think. Or it was hard to find them. I found a few. Did you? Okay. I, I found several and they were so short and I was like, I don't want to write a bunch of short legends. There, there, yeah, there was one that was really short. I had a Google in Spanish though. Yeah, same, same. But you know what? We have enough for an episode, and that's what matters. But first, a uh, listener's story. I guess before the listener's story, just a quick reminder, we are reading the Hacienda for the next book club. And Carmen had a great idea where I'm just going to do an Instagram post that shares the book and the discussion questions. And whoever comments on that, we will share some of those in the episode. Um, by the time this comes out... I'm not sure if our other book club episode will be out yet. We'll see. Um, and you can also uh, join the book club by clicking the link in the show notes. It's in there. It's a newsletter. You get sent every time we have a new book and have discussion questions for said book. Um, so, yeah. And we uh, read mostly just or we're going to try and read mostly just uh, Latino, Latina authors and horror books, of, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, okay, so now on to the listener story. Yes. And if you have a story for us that you want us to read on the podcast, email spookytales at gmail.com or you can call 360-836-4486. That is our spooky hotline. You can leave a voicemail with your ghost story and we will play it on the episode. No one's done it yet, but someone please do it. Okay. Enough of that. Now, the listener's story. My grandpa's house is haunted by some rich guy from the past, apparently. Before he passed, he buried his money somewhere on the land, and people from the area know about it being buried, but never came close to finding it. Apparently, the spirit will guide you if it likes you and gives you the money. It's guided my mom before, but she knows better than to trust a demon, so she said... So instead, she said a prayer and the orb disappeared. But there was this one time in the past when my uncle was taunting it and telling it he can't harm him. Later that night, my uncle tried to throw himself in the well. This seems like it just got out of hand, out of nowhere. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. I went from zero to 100. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let me continue. My, my aunt and uncle stopped him. Oh, maybe the... Spirit was like controlling him. I don't know. Anyway, I will continue. Apparently, his eyes were rolled back when they grabbed him and they set him on the bed. They went out to get a priest and they had to have an exorcism in the house. Oh my God. This started as a treasure story and <laughs> ended in a possession. It got out of hand. <laughs> Wild. Okay. <laughs> that room of the house is now blocked and the spirit is locked in. 
When I was asleep, I woke up drenched in sweat and very thirsty, so I went to get water, and the room is connected to the living room, so when I walked by, it was dark, and all I had was my flashlight. I was skeptical, so I wasn't scared back then. I wasn't a believer. But that night changed everything for me. I heard scratching on the door, and then six knocks, then a short, sinister, deep chuckle. And then he called my name and told me to unlock the door and to let him free. He said he'd make me rich if I did. I rejected that. Then he hit the door and everyone woke up in the house. I've never returned since apparently the spirit has talked about me and my cousins before even knowing we existed. Like it told the future. Oh, oh my God. Who is it talking to? <laughs> who is it telling these things to? Oh, oh. no. Mm. And me and my younger cousin are his next targets to possess. Then they wrote, then, then they wrote, shit, not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I lost the next comment, so that's all we have. <laughs> um, but wow. That is terrifying. Especially it's like they they name dropped you before you were that's born. That's terrible. Um, not a good sign. <laughs> Mm-mm. Uh, I don't like it. Um, okay, well, uh, now I guess on to Legends of Cuba. From Cuba? What is the right phrase? Legends from? From or of? From? I would say from. from. Okay, you're right. You know why it confused? But uh-huh. I, I don't English well sometimes. I mean, so. neither do I. ESL <laughs> here, okay? <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, because in Spanish it would be Leyendas de Cuba. De Cuba. But then they can't that be both of and from? See, I just, I just realized that a lot of the like my grammar errors are because in my mind I make English into Spanish format. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just realizing that now. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, I do the same thing. And then I do the thing where I have to say it in Spanish and in English. So when I'm like tra- doing something, it's both languages at the same time. And then I'm like, which one am I using again? <laughs> <laughs> same, though, same. Um, it's a problem. Uh, ESL problems, yes. Um, also, side note, but like, because I grew up, my, or my parents obviously are immigrants, and, you know, nobody spoke English in the house until we started going to school. And yeah, I had like mm-hmm. older cousins that spoke English, but like we did not speak it. And we started, we learned it in preschool, basically. And so oh, I tell same. my husband that that's why English is my second language. And he's like, that doesn't count. And I'm like, why? That does count. He's just being rude. I feel like. So. <laughs> because I still hold on to a lot of like, Span- even though like my Spanish isn't great either. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like I like there's certain things that i could only speak and say in spanish like praying i can't oh my god no i could never it's always in spanish yeah same (laughs) um so yeah esl problems still apply to us okay (laughs) i guess i'll go first i'll start with this one here this legend is called la milagrosa it is one of the more one of the more popular paranormal stories in cuba but it's not really a scary story Instead, it's more tragic and it has become a legend. So, yeah, the legend of La Milagrosa, it takes place in Havana. So there's a beautiful cemetery called El Cementerio de Cristobal Colón. Ew, what an ugly name for a cemetery. I don't like it. Also known as La Necropolis. Necropolis? 
de Cristóbal Colón. Necropolis. Necropolis. Yeah, the Necropolis of Christopher. Why is it? It's weird how his name is different. Yeah, in Spanish, I've always English, wondered yeah. that. Cristóbal Colón. Cristóbal Colón in Spanish and Christopher Columbus in English. I wonder how it is. And it, wasn't he like uh, Italian? He was Italian. I wonder, I wonder what how... it is there. I feel like it's the same thing in okay, Spanish. Okay, you're probably right because they're very similar. Anyway, I'll continue. But I could yeah. be wrong. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, again, this is going to be a mess of a recording. It's late in the afternoon. My my only good hours of the day are like in between um, 12 and 2. That's when I feel awake. <laughs> so mm-hmm. right now it's past that and my brain is done. <laughs> okay, let me continue. It was built in 1876 and replaced the Espada Cemetery in the San Lazaro neighborhood. In that cemetery, there's a sacred tomb that many tourists and locals stop by to visit. The tomb belongs to Amelia Goiti, oh my God, that's hard, Goiti de la Oz. And many believe that if you pay Amelia a visit, she'll grant you a wish. I love this because that's my little niece's name. <laughs> when she was alive, Amelia was a rich woman who was part of the of Havana's high society and lived at the palace of the Marquises. But like most tragic love stories go, Amelia fell in love with a man who was a class beneath her. For this reason, her parents, especially her father, opposed the relationship. This crushed Amelia, who had been in love with her second cousin, Jose Vis. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I will just move past that. Okay. <laughs> Jose Vicente Adot, since she was 13, knowing the relationship wasn't possible at the time, Jose instead signed up to fight for Cuba's freedom when the war for independence began in 1895. He spent three years fighting the war, but when he finally returned, he returned as the captain of the Liberation Army and decided this was the right time to ask for Amelia's hand in marriage. At this point, Amelia's mother and uncle had passed away, and her father was so ill that he felt no choice but to accept. Amelia, who had been anxiously awaiting this moment, was overjoyed, and the couple quickly married on June 25, 1900. And without wasting any time, Amelia got pregnant soon after. But that's when the story turns tragic. On May 3rd, 1901, when Amelia was eight months pregnant, oh no, she died of eclamp. I can never say this word, eclampsia? Eclampsia? Eclampsia. I think it's eclampsia, eclampsia, but I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. People will send in things to correct me, so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I can't believe they? you said that wrong. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they're more nice about it. Except when, when they leave it in a review, <laughs> then it's a one-star review because we pronounced something wrong. It's like, excuse me for my accent. I'm not going to apologize, though. <laughs> uh, science was still far behind at this point, so a C-section was not an option, and both Amelia and the baby died. Jose was distraught and had Amelia and their child buried together at the Cemetery de Colón. They should rename that shit. They should. Originally, because of... Because of Amelia's high status, she was supposed to be buried at the Marquesas of Balboa, but Jose refused to bury her there and instead put her in a beautiful but modest uh, grave. Uh, sorry, put her in a beautiful but modest grave in this cemetery. 
Amelia's coffin was made of luxury, luxurious bronze, and her daughter was placed between her legs, which was a Spanish custom back in the day. Life didn't get easier for Jose. He was so grief-stricken that he visited Amelia's grave every day, sometimes two to three times a day. Many say that when he visited Amelia, he would knock on her grave three times to wake her up before beginning to talk. Oh, that's kind of cute. Like, hey, I'm mm -hmm. here. <laughs> wake up. <laughs> Older and now retired cemetery workers say he used to knock on the grave and say, wake up, my love. I know, adorable. In 1914, Jose's father also died, and he decided to have him buried with Amelia. But when cemetery workers exhumed her tomb, everyone was left in shock when it turned out Amelia and the child's body had not decomposed and instead were perfectly mummified. Everyone considered it to be a miracle since Amelia and the child had been dead for 13 years. What's even more shocking is that the baby was found on Amelia's breast instead of in the middle of her legs. Since this day, Amelia's grave has become a sacred site visited by many, many parents and caregivers who want to pray for the well-being of their children or ask Amelia for a wish. The Havana Times, an independent blog and online magazine, spoke with a cemetery employee who said people stop by to visit Amelia's grave every day, especially during Mother's Day. The person who wrote the article also read some of the messages that had been left on Amelia's grave. One of them said, thank you, Milagrosa, for granting my daughter, Yaima, with the gift of being a, becoming a mother from her Argentinian grandmother. And another read, infinite thanks from Chile. Our son is growing happily and healthy. The statue over Amelia's grave also has special meaning. Jose's friend was the popular sculptor Jose Villalta Saavedra. And when he heard about Amelia's story, he reached out to Jose and offered to make a statue of her. Saavedra was all the way in Italy at the time, so he asked Jose to send him a photo of Amelia. He used the photo to make the now popular sculpture, which features Amelia holding a cross with one hand since she died on the day of Holy Cross and with the other hand holding her baby. All right. Yes, that is La Milagrosa. That is such a sad, but at the same time, cute story. How her husband still, still, uh, like knocked on her on her grave and was like, "Wake up!" Right? Amazing. I'm gonna be like, if I don't have that once I die, I'm coming back and haunting my husband. Same. <laughs> um, also, how many stories like this are across Latin America of like someone dying and then like people go to the grave to wish for things? A lot. I love it, though. I love it. Um, some people would be like, oh, that's demonic. I'm like, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> let people let people let do what they want and have the beliefs that they have. Like, if they want to believe yeah. that this thing, uh, this grave, this, go this person that's passed away can help them. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And, you know, if I if my wish comes true, let it come true. Don't get in the way. Huh? And they said they shouldn't get in the way of like wishes coming true. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I would totally um, do that if I could, you know? Mm hmm. Like, you get your wish. You get, <laughs> you your, get wish. your wish. You all get your wish. <laughs> like Oprah, but uh, with wishes. Oh, yeah, that would be great. And, and, and I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to share one of yours? Yes. Okay. So this one is a short story. 
and it's about a phantom ship in Cuba. Ooh. So, yeah, in 1925, the almost 80 meters long ship, the SS Cotopaxi, disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle, leaving many questions on what happened to the crew. The SS Cotopaxi was launched on November 15, 1918. It was built under the World War I Emergency Shipbuilding Program. The ship had serious damage from grounding off the coast of Brazil and later on was in a collision with a tugboat in Havana, Cuba. On December 1925, the Cotopaxi and her crew of 32 vanished. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we all know the stories from Bermuda mm-hmm. Triangle. And for those that don't know, the Bermuda Triangle is the region in of the North Atlantic Ocean, Bounded by the southeastern coast of the U.S., Bermuda, and the islands of of the Greater Antilles, Cuba, Hispaniola, Jamaica, and Puerto Rico. And it has a lot of myths and legends behind it. There are many strange disappearances over the years in the area. Some are unsolved. Uh, people claim to see strange lights, strange electrical storms. People also have reported time slips. But... One of the most surprising is an alleged discovery made by the by a Cuban Coast Guard. And this eyewitness saw an unmanned ship that upon further inspection was the SS Cotopaxi. Now, I say alleged because the Cuban Coast Guard denies all rumors of this incident. Oh, wow. Now, if the ghost ship sightings are true or false, who knows? But the Cotopaxi wreck was found in the 80s but it wasn't identified until January 2020. Oh my God, that's so recent. Yeah, so they they had found the wreck, but they didn't know what the wreck was or which oh. ship. And I guess back in January 2020, they went down to this uh, wreck and they were like, yep, it's a ship. But there's, I guess, claims that the, the Cuban Coast Guard has denied that people have seen the ship, the ghost ship. Wow. Weird. So this is the second or the second Latino ghost ship that I know of, because there's also the one in mm-hmm. Chile. It is. Is it Chile? It is, right? Yeah. I wonder if there's more. I don't I feel maybe it is around. The- we would have found them by now, though, with all the searching that we do, I think. That is true. That <laughs> is true. That is true. Welcome to our little haunted break. We want to give a shout out to the Spooky Supremas on Patreon, but especially our newest members. Thank you, Desiree, Diana, Ruben, and Sonia for joining this month. And a shout out to the rest of our patrons, Liliana, Muna, Isaac, Nacho Mama, Nelly, Alex and Azriel, Malia, Gina, Mimi, Diana, Ashes, Anne, Janie, Michelle, Monica, Modesto, Cynthia, who actually just rejoined. Thank you, Cynthia, so much. Perla, Jesenia, Dalia, Rene, Iris, Ghost Train, and Madtown Charity. Your support means the world to us. Thank you so much. If you want to join the Patreon, go ahead and head on over to patreon.com slash tales. You'll gain access to bonus episodes. We try to do two a month, but always at least one. You get to vote on the movie night uh, polls where you choose the movie night that we're going to be watching and monthly goodies like stickers. And if you join the highest tier, no mames, super serious and spooky, then you get an exclusive keychain. But don't worry, 
If you cannot support us monetarily, then you are not missing out on anything. The best support that you can give us is just listening to our episodes here. So thank you for doing that. This one has been called either La Llorona of Cuba or La Gritona. Um, I, I saw both names. <laughs> like La Gritona. <laughs> I like La Gritona too. Uh, sounds like it could be a song, honestly. <laughs> So this legend takes place in the 17th century, around 1650 something. That always confuses me, which is why I wanted to tell everyone. Because like the, whenever people say 18th century, I think 1800s, which is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I hate that. I don't understand yeah. why. But I, I kind of get it because technically the first century would be one through 100. True. And then the second century would be 100 to 200. But it's still, I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> You should just call it century zero and then <laughs> negative. One, two. No. <laughs> negative <one>. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. According to legend, in a time when pirates plagued the waters surrounding Cuba, there lived a beautiful young woman in San Juan de los Remedios, which is like a little island off of Cuba. Mm-hmm. She had porcelain skin and long black curly hair. In 1658, her life changed. A well-known but evil pirate known to the islanders as El Olones, or the Dutch, Francisco Nau, had arrived at San Juan de los Remedios with his evil pirate crew. They're all evil. They pillaged the town, beat, burned, and raped townspeople. This young, beautiful woman's family was among the pirate's victims, but she was able to escape. She hid in a cave in La Zona de Seborucal, which is a locality in this island. Um, so she hid there for some time, but the pirate had become obsessed with her and he and his crew were searching for her. They eventually found her hiding spot in this cave. Uh, she tried to run, but to no avail, they caught up to her and, um, El Olones, uh, grabbed her and, you know, he wanted her and he was gonna take her by force, but she fought and fought and she hit him and she bit him. She fought with everything she had and... This angered him, and so he grabbed his sword and he decapitated her. Her head uh, fell, and as he turned around to wipe the blood from his sword, he heard his crew, uh, his evil pirates, scream in terror. Uh, So he turned back around, and I guess as he was, like, turned to clean his sword, his crew witnessed her stand up her headless body stand up to her stand to her feet pick her head up and then try to place her head back on her neck what the hell (laughs) wild so the pirates ran away in fear (laughs) and she um you know after the horrible heinous act of this pirate retreated into her cave the pirates didn't return but it was said that there was no body she like did hide in in the cave and they couldn't find her there was only blood stains but ever since then the townspeople live in terror four times a year because it is said that during these four times of year she comes out of her cave and uh, roams with her head in her arms uh and these four times a year are the first friday of every january good friday the friday before christmas and then do you know what viernes de dolores is no Okay, I don't either. Let me look that up really quick. Viernes de Dolores. Uh, okay, March 31st. 
well this year 2023 is it's friday march 31st i don't know if it changes oh my god it's the friday before domingo de ramos Mm. it's called friday of sorrows in english and then palm sunday is domingo de ramos right Mm -hmm. yeah so it's the friday before that oh okay i didn't even know that was like a holiday yeah why did i think that was good friday what is good friday (laughs) isn't good god i don't even remember i'm a bad oh you know what is good friday does that take place on semana santa I think so. I want to say yes, but I don't really know. Same. Um, so yeah, it's coming up. Uh, she's about to come out then. Watch out, everyone. Oh my God, that means Capirotada season. Ooh, yep. I'm so excited. Um, like a few years ago, we made so much. I was like, I'm I'm 99% Capirotada now. <laughs> I, <hate laughs> I, think, so much. I think I remember you either posting that on Facebook or tweeting about it. It was good bread pudding. <laughs> But anyway, on these specific Fridays after midnight, she is said to roam the roads and terrorize the locals. Her screams can be heard throughout the island. And that's why she's called La Gritona. (laughs) I like that. That's a good one. I don't know what she does if someone comes across her. That information I couldn't find. Because you know how like La Ciguanaba or La Sucia, all of them are La Mat. La, what is it? La Tule Vieja, they're all said to, you know, attack men. I don't know if that's the case with her. I couldn't find any other info other than people are scared of her. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Um, do you have another one? Yes, I have one more. And this is House of Diego Velasquez in Santiago de Cuba. Legend has it that in the afternoons, a woman with a white veil walks through the old corridors of the house of Diego Velasquez, that on the stairs of the place, a mischievous figure pushes people and makes them fall, and that on many occasions, (laughs) the intense smell of cigarettes fills the current Cuban Historical Environment Museum, and sometimes, only sometimes, it has been possible to spot the man who produces such an unpleasant aroma. So this is pretty long, but we're 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 starting off with the <laughs> with the figure that pushes, pushes people. people and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, in several centuries of existence, the old house of Diego Velasquez treasures stories, some happy, others of horror and fright, like the one that tells that of the slaves when punished were thrown into old gold smelting furnaces Ooh. when they were no longer used. Ooh. That's so I don't sad. Like that. Such acts of suffering, according to specialists from the Cuban Historical Environment Museum, could be one of the causes of the existence of ghosts in the oldest house in the Caribbean country, because where there was pain, the remnants of those who suffered remain, the, the horror in its own flesh. The stories of apparitions, mischief, intense smells, the opening and closing of windows, and sounds of unknown origin is not the, on- the story of one, two, or three people without much to do. On the contrary, not a few attest to the veracity of the sightings. I did my best to, by the way, to translate from Spanish to English, <laughs> so 
sorry if it, sorry if it feels a little bit formal. I was like, um, the writer wow, is MJ. Because this is not MJ talk. Did you okay? write an essay? I just tra- like, what? <laughs> I know. I felt like, like, no, this is, I translated it, okay? Oh they used God. big words in Spanish, and I was like, well, I have to match those big words. <laughs> I never do that. I just change things. I, I Google. <laughs> Because I don't know Spanish like that. I don't know formal Spanish. (laughs) For a time, it was nothing more than just rumors that were discussed internally among the workers. And today, they're one of the biggest attractions of the site. Located in the very heart of the city of Santiago de Cuba in Cespedes Park. For custodians, workers, tourists, and musicians, they are not just attractive stories. These are events that have made a few run, even caused several workers to resign from continuing to work at the museum. The story is told of a secretary who left terrified after seeing one of these apparitions, going to the office and collecting her belongings, then swearing that she would never set foot in the place again. (laughs) I do not blame her. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'd be like, you know what? You all don't pay me enough. You are all on your own now. (laughs) This is above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) A promise she has kept to this day. Perhaps the most famous story in the old house of Diego Velasquez is that that of an enslaved person, a short man who terrifies the people who go down the stairs of the site because he pushes them and makes them fall. There are stories of people who have felt his presence both in the 16th century mansion that is the part of the museum and in in the staircase that connects the part with the 19th century building that is also part of the institution. There is a corridor where the weeping woman with a white veil has been seen, according to the legend. Equally notorious and important are the apparitions of a girl who has been seen on several occasions walking through the galleries and the corridors of the 16th century mansion, whose front faces Parque Céspedes. She is described as a very young woman who is always crying, walking around with her face covered by a white veil, and that despite this, she looks extremely afflicted. Stares from where the little man has thrown people, according to the legend. Finally, there are those stories of the smoker whose stench, according to the museum workers, can be extremely intense, being felt in various areas of the facility. It is said that the smell fills the patio. Although the man who smokes is not always seen, he has been sighted in the 19th century mansion, sitting in one of the chairs that is part of the collection or on a staircase in the building that gives access to offices. Although there are figures that are most reported, such as the three mentioned above, there are also others reported by various people. As a whole today attract the gaze of nationals and foreigners who ask about the ghost of the house of Diego Velasquez. The workers of the site, as the curious hook also explained that on repeat occasion between 11 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. in the 16th century mansion in one of the museum's museum exhibition rooms something falls onto the false ceiling in such a way loud and making a lot of noise but nothing could ever be found so they hear it but don't see what fell or what did it yeah yeah it's like an echo i I don't want to say like an echo like it echoes but like an echo of like something that happened right i guess animals nests of 
nests of birds or bats have been searched, even due to the intensity of the noise, it has come to assume that there is something broken or traces of something that impacts, and to date, no evidence has ever been found. There's also banging of windows that open and close no- noisily, despite the fact that they are closed with latches. Wow. To this last fact, in addition to the noises that are felt in both the houses, especially the one corresponding to the 16th century. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So this... This house has it all. It has a pushing ghost, smoking ghost, La Llorona. Crying ghost, <laughs> yeah. And then like, uh, what what is that called? Where there's like res- residual energy of the things around it. Yes, wild. Um, it would be cool to go there one day. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's really old. I mean, 16th century, yeah. that's old. And granted, like a few parts of the, the 19th century, but that's all too. Yeah, it goes back, way back. <sighs> what a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have another story or no? No, I, that's it. This is going to, it doesn't seem like a, it's going to be a short episode because of like the time length looking at it. But because I kept getting up and leaving, this is going to be a short episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this, uh, yeah, this is going to be a short episode. Again, a mess of a recording. Uh, but do you have any spooky recommendations this week? No, I haven't actually done anything spooky. I've been sick all week. So all I've been doing is napping. Mm, understandable. Uh, I have a collection of recommendations. Every time I watch a horror movie, I look for like a horror movie podcast that has covered this horror movie. <laughs> and I've I've collected <laughs> several favorites of mine. Um, and uh, some of them we've recorded with. So, um, but mm-hmm. if you do not listen to them, you should. They're really fun. They just review movies, which is one of my favorite types of podcast horror movie reviews but um so and i might be forgetting some people but so shaken not scared which we've done some an episode with uh mm-hmm. about la llorona the jairo bustamente llorona movie not the um not the bad one, one. <laughs> <laughs> not the one that should not be named <laughs> yeah uh yeah shake that was shaking not scared nightmare on fifth street which we've done uh what did we talk about with the chucky it was a chucky oh, yeah, movie yeah. and that was a fun episode but yeah they they're a sister duo that reviews horror movies shaking not scared is a uh, husband and wife um another one that i really like girl that's scary that's a mm-hmm. super fun one girl that's scary uh what is another one blurdy massacre is another one i like bloody broads is another one. Oh, oh my god how can i be forgetting them nightmare on fierce street so not nightmare mm-hmm. on fifth street but fierce street um another super fun one there's like a couple more i'm forgetting but uh i mean between them you can find almost any horror movie <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because every time i watch something i'm like i don't know like i'm like no one in this house, like my my husband, cares about horror movies, and I can't just talk nonstop to him about it. So then I just go find a podcast episode about it because it's almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and we don't talk about horror movies in, in that much detail. So I'm like, I need to get this Mm-mm. out of my system somehow, and that's how. <laughs> that's how. Um. So yeah, that is my my spooky recommendations this week. All right. 
Awesome, because that covers a lot because I have yeah, nothing. Yeah, that's more than enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and then before we go, again, we are reading the Hacienda right now for our book club. You can find the book club newsletter in the show notes. Um, oh, one more thing. I guess I haven't like announced it, but we're at, at the time of recording. Of course, sometimes people you know, come and go through the patron. But at the time of recording, we are at 26 patrons. So that's exciting. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, right? I would never thought that we'd even have like one. So, hey. <laughs> thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. And also, was I... Someone became a patron. They asked for an episode on the Paris cat- catacombs. Um, mm-hmm. It's not in Latin America, so I'm not going to do a full episode on it. However, I'll just add it. I'll tack it on to the next time we record. I didn't get to write notes on it for like this episode. But next time okay. we record, I'll just add it on to whatever we're talking about. All right. Awesome. For Specifically for that patron. So, yeah. Because um, I was going to do it as a Patreon episode, but they were like, no, please make it a regular episode. And I was like, OK, I, that's fine. I'll add it into whatever okay. we talk about next time. Oh, wait, we I think we decided, didn't we? Yeah, we're doing. Col- yes. Columbia? Legends from Colombia. That's probably going to be next, next episode, because I have one more episode already recorded. That's going to be next week's episode after this one. Okay. Um, About eclipses. It's a very fun episode. Yeah. Oh, nice. And I think I had one more announcement. Did I? Maybe not. I don't know. I think that's it. I think, yeah, I think that's it. Because we already went through the book thing in the beginning. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we're good then. Yeah. All right. Well. Watch out for stairs in scary houses or scary houses, haunted houses. You don't want to get pushed by a ghost. (laughs) And La Llorona, she's everywhere. No, that's true. Or La Gritona. (laughs) Yeah, La Gritona. Um, Okay, well, uh, thanks for listening and stay a spooky. We'll catch everyone next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to the spooky supporting us on Patreon. Your support means the world to us. And if you want to join the Patreon and get bonus episodes, monthly goodies in the mail, and more, go over to patreon.com slash spookytales. Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, produced and edited by Christina, and is a proud member of the Cultivate Network. For more podcasts on the network, check out cultivatepodcastnetwork.com. Don't forget to check out our Spooky merch. We have Spooky shirts, we have no mamas shirts and we have a cool hat that i just added it's like a baseball hat not like a hat hat um we also have a beanie in there and they just say a spooky on there but i'm a big fan of the hat it says a spooky in old english letters and i love it i wear it every day not because i want to go around repping the podcast but it's comfy it's a great hat you can go to spookytales.com store i'm always adding new designs But don't even worry if you cannot support us monetarily because the most important support is what you're already doing, giving us a listen. If you listen and you love what we do, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share this with your spooky friends. Spooky season is upon us, so this is our time of year. Stay as spooky!